Hi, I'm Lee Cockrell. I'm the founder of the Cockrell Academy. After uh, 42 years in the hotel and entertainment business with Disney, Merritt, and Hilton, and I hope you enjoy it. It's never too late to learn. It's never too late to get better. You love to learn, grow, and improve yourself, but you're still not where you want to be? The right mastermind can be the ultimate secret weapon when it comes to personal development, but trying to find the one that's built for you isn't always easy. Welcome to the Mastermind Effect, the one and only show that focuses on helping you cut through the noise, invest in yourself, and move past your natural limits. This is everything you need to know about masterminds, brought to you by your host, Brandon Straza. Hey, hey everyone. Today, we've got the founder of Cockrell Academy, Lee Cockrell. His career has taken him all over the world, from working with the men and women in Baghdad to being the executive VP of Walt Disney World. Lee talks about how if you ask for help, it's better than making up an answer. He explains why we need to build a culture around trust, and Lee explains how learning to use your time to your advantage by leading with purpose over chance is so important. Check it out. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show where you know I believe the only way to unlock your potential is to tap into the experience of others. And today, to help us do that, we have got the founder of Cockrell Academy, the man who has, has been in the hotel industry, the Disney industry, has an unbelievable podcast with the name Disney in it, and just an amazing individual. I've been fortunate to get to know more recently, Lee Cockrell. Lee, welcome to the show. Thanks, Brandon. Great to be on. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Hey, when the listeners today realize all the value that you're bringing and they want to reach out to you either personally or through social, what's the best way for them to reach out and just connect with you? Well, they can email me or call me at lee at leecockrell.com. And if you go on there, all my contact information is there, my address, my phone number, everything. And uh, anyway, I'm available. I answer my phone. So that won't be an issue. People ask me why I answered my phone. I said, because I booked more business that way. <laughs> Everybody's got a phone. Nobody answers them anymore. So I kind of am unique. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you're going to have a phone, why not answer it? You know, at the end of the day, why have a phone then? So, well, I put my phone number in one of my books and it, it's a chapter about be available if yeah. you're going to give good service. And uh, I get random people call me every week when they get to that chapter to see if I am telling the truth. Well, so that shows that the world hasn't been telling the truth, but, but Lee is, and all of this will be in the show notes as well as, you know, I'm looking at Lee's phone number starts at the 407 and ends with a one eight. So we'll make sure that that's available to everyone. But, uh, you know, I, we'll, we'll get into a little bit of, about being available as well. Cause that's interesting. You mentioned that. So let's dive into it when, uh, you know, the ability to have access to people and learn from them has really changed over the last five, 10 years and what we have what, what we have access to. When you and I were younger, it was textbooks and teachers. And then it was friends and family and, and our coworkers. But that's really a sliver of what's possible. How has your learning changed from your early years versus today? Well, in my very early years, I didn't have a lot of interest in learning. Uh, I grew up in a family. Nobody went to college and nobody read much. Uh, just... Uh, and uh, so when I broke loose from Oklahoma and got out into the real world and started uh, finding out how much I didn't know, it was exciting, actually, to learn things. And I started paying attention to it on purpose and reading more and going to seminars and listening to those old cassette tapes about <laughs> inspiration and leadership and 
And uh, I kind of got hooked on, wow, it's a lot of fun to learn something. And then, you know, the internet came along and Google, if you don't know something today, it's your own fault. All you got to do is look it up. And, uh, you know, so I find a word I don't know, which are a lot of them, the definition. So I look them up and I get smarter or I, or I ask my wife, she knows. And uh, sometimes I'll hear some country. I didn't even know it was a country. <laughs> I look it up and there's four million people live there. I go, oh, I didn't even know that. And so it's kind of fun to learn and um, to know more. And it helps you make decisions in your life when you know more. It is true. History repeats itself. And when you know the kinds of things, you know, I said it's a little thing like knowing oil prices might make a difference in a decision you make about an investment or about anything. Uh, vacations, a Disney Cruise Line, will travelers come if prices get too high? And all those things started to work into uh, the business side of my life, too, that uh, the more you know, the better decisions you make, it seems. Yeah. Out of all the places you've worked before you started your, your academy, which one would you say, and maybe equally, not to pin them against each other, but I mean, you worked at Marriott, you, you worked at Disney, Euro Disney, you, you mean like you have unbelievable career already. Which one did, would you say you learned the most from, per se? that you still utilize today? Well, you're right. It was different. Uh, when I first started out, I knew nothing. I worked at, for Hilton Hotels. I was a waiter. I was worked in smaller jobs. I worked my way up to higher level positions. So, but I learned the technical part of the job. You know, I worked at the Waldorf where you got to know how to serve and you got to wear your tuxedo and you've got to uh, serve from the left and do the right. And and then when I went to Marriott, I learned about management. And Marriott really teaches you how to manage your P&L, attention to details, standards. Uh, there's a one way to do it. That's the Marriott way. That's the way you do it. And I went to Disney, you know, the entertainment side and uh, the attention to detail at Disney was, uh, wow, shocking. Everything matters at Disney. <laughs> and that's hard. That was a little uh, intimidating to get used to. Everything matters. And we want it friendlier every day, cleaner. We want more profit, less cost, more guests. Uh, I mean, it's just relentless. And I think that happens when you work for a good organization, that the, uh, the expectations are high and the demands are high. And it, it's, while it's hard, it, uh, it puts you, it teaches you how to uh, get better yourself when you have to learn to do that. And so probably the most I learned was maybe uh, at Disney as I had, I was older, more mature, you know, I was 40 six, I guess, 48, when I joined Disney. And I went to Disneyland Paris, and that was a nightmare. You know, we were losing a million dollars a day when we opened, and that gets you pretty focused. <laughs> yeah, that might hit the pocketbook where, uh, where Walt himself wouldn't be too happy about that one at the time. Well, I tell people there's only two ways you learn in life, crisis or education. <laughs> so you learn a lot in a crisis and you learn a lot in education. And it can be an illness, it could be a divorce, it could be a financial problem, it could be a child get, I mean, crisis is not the most fun way to learn. Yeah, no, I, wow, that's, I appreciate you sharing that with us. Kind of staying in, you know, and and how we learn and who we're learning from. I think that there's, you mentioned it, there's more ways to learn than ever before. You, you got a question, you go to Google, you go to YouTube. There's a lot of platforms, but at the same time, that can make it confusing because there's so many sources out there. Yeah. Some people, they choose to learn from a coach, an accountability partner, a mastermind, an online course, lots of ways like we've just, you know, like you've said that you can learn. Who are you currently learning from? And more importantly, how did you connect with them? Yeah, you know, uh, I 
thought I knew what was going on in the world. And about six years ago, this guy calls me and says he wants me to be interviewed on his podcast. I didn't even know what a podcast was. I was like, what? What's that? <laughs> What's a pod? And uh, I interviewed on with him. And three months later, he called back and said, have you ever thought about having your own podcast? And I said, Jody, I had no idea what a podcast was. And we've been doing it for six years now. We've done 325 episodes, never missed a Tuesday. And what I learned is that uh, I get people writing to me every week telling me how much they appreciate it and what they learn. And I, I just learned that people are eager to learn and that they, they don't want theory anymore. They want reality. Tell me how to do it. Tell me a story about how you dealt with that when that happened to you and one of your managers or uh, reality. You know, when you fire somebody, tell me what you had to go through. How'd you had to think about that? Uh, how did you show empathy and the discipline to go ahead and do it and tell the truth? And so that's, I learned that uh, you just can't deal with the facts. You got to, people learn best by, hearing stories, hearing uh, reality. Students today want reality. You know, they don't want a 40-year-old prof- you know, professor with a book from 40 years ago teaching them some XYZ leadership principles. And uh, so that's, uh, and that you got to do it in shorter strokes. Our podcast is 15 minutes. My courses on the Cockrell Academy, like there's a world-class customer service course, that's 39 10 to 12-minute sections. So you do one, you can go on to the next one, 10 to 12 minutes only. I mean, because people, the attention span today is pretty rough. Yeah. So, I mean, you've made it bite-sized to where it's digestible and actually retainable to where they can implement that pretty quickly. Yeah. People don't read anymore. I mean, it's scary because I could, I learn a lot. Just I read every night for only maybe 20, 30 minutes and before I go to sleep and just because it helps me go to sleep and... You know, it takes longer because I don't sit and read all day or anything, but uh, you get through and you learn something else. Stuff comes in, it goes up in your brain, and hopefully it's good stuff you're putting up there. I tell people half the stuff in your brain is not even true. <laughs> you know, you got to be careful what your mother put up there and your dad and your and what you're putting in your child's brain. And yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, sounds like you're putting good stuff in his brain. I learn more from him than, than, than he probably is learning from me, but it is amazing what, you know, what you realize, what they retain and what they're listening to. And you had mentioned to me in a, in a previous conversation that one of the people that uh, you're in an airport and someone comes over with his little girls and has a conversation and, and you kind of, would you mind describe, describing that just a little bit? Yeah. Well, I was in an airport and a lady that was getting ready to board the plane and a, a, a young lady, uh, she's probably 12 and she tapped me on the shoulder and I turned and I said, yeah. She said, are you Lee Cockrell? I said, uh, yeah, I am. Why? And her dad was standing there with her 12, 14 and 16 year old sisters. And he said, Lee, the reason they know you is they're required to listen to your podcast every Tuesday and discuss it at dinner, what they learned. And I was going, really? I said, now I'm responsible for your kids, what they're, they're leading, learning. And, and I thought that was interesting that people are today, you, it's like you talking about you're learning, learning with your son instead of sitting there uh, having uh, uncomfortable discussions. You're having ones where he's walking away learning and doing it with you. And that builds a lot of trust and builds a lot of safety for him. And he's getting smarter. And People are learning how to do it together. And I think that's uh, what a podcast are great. A lot of companies will listen to my podcast or read one of my books. And then, you know, like I have one, it's 39 rules for customer service. And companies are telling me they buy the book and then they 
every person in the company that reads it has to give one idea on each rule, how they can implement it in their company. So you can't escape. You, your boss knows you read it, and you have to submit within 30 days after you get the book an idea about how can we do this in our company. And I thought, you know, you've got to get people to go all the way, not just give them the book, because 50% of books are never read, and 50% are never finished unless you put up some. Uh, I had a boss at Marriott that made us do a book report because he didn't trust us either. And uh, <laughs> that was like in school. You had to do the book report, and Chapter by chapter, what did you learn? And I think we do need people, you know, people got to learn to educate themselves, not count on your boss or a company or you've got to get in the And today with kind of work you're doing. People can get better and uh, people got to re- take responsibility. You know, companies cut down training right away when there's a recession or we're in bad times and you can't use that as an excuse. You've got to keep going. And, uh, you know, after this uh, pandemic's over, people need to be smarter, not just have stopped a year ago and are not learning anything because everything's changed. I think about that a lot. Are people holding themselves responsible for their development, not somebody that's making them go to a class? Yeah. And I think that's a big one. Are people holding themselves responsible or surrounding themselves with with the right people to help them hold themselves accountable? I mean, we are human. Even the most efficient human being is is fallible and is going to have moments. But if you surround your cup with the right people and you get rid of the wrong people, it's amazing how much more you can accomplish. But what do I know? It's true. You become, I was telling you, you even become, I think, uh, like the culture you hang out in. You know, if it's a bad one, you'll get kind of bad. (laughs) If it's a good one, you'll get better over time. And that's even a company you work for, an organization. If you're in a great company that's very ethical and honest and you will get better as a person. And if you're in one where everybody's cheating and lying, and you will probably fall into that to survive and uh, be part of the gang and feel like you matter because you're, you know, so many people just uh, go along to get along. And that's uh, very dangerous if you're in a bad place. Yeah, no, absolutely true. Time and time again, that holds true. You're, yeah. you're the average of the five people that you hang around. And you'll be like that. You'll be uh, you'll be uh, worrying about some of the kids that your son may want to hang out with. You'll, and we've had that situation where we've stopped our grandkids from being around certain people because their family was a lot of profanity and a lot of ugliness. And, uh, and uh, it bleeds through. Next thing you know, your son will come home and start using those words when grandma comes over. <laughs> They'll think, she'll think you did it. So be careful. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, kind of just talking about people staying in that realm. A lot of people, I think they get stuck and we don't always know how to execute what's inside of our head. We're still going through a pandemic, like you just mentioned, and thinking about going back to the old ways, just it's just that mindset isn't going to work. How has self-education with masterminds and coaching helped you when you're looking to get unstuck and execute something where you're just kind of, you kind of feel like you're in the trenches and you don't know how to get out, but through coaching and masterminds. So you know, people around you, you, you're able to move forward. Uh, I really had to learn that when I don't know something, don't be embarrassed, go get help, go find an expert, go find a mastermind, go find a class, go ask somebody that knows what's going on. I used to just be insecure. So I would go around acting like I knew what I was doing when I didn't. And uh, that's one thing. There are a lot of experts out there, including the internet. And uh, if you want to know and take your time, I think a little more patience before you make a big decision is Maybe ask two or three people 
So you kind of get a balanced, uh, okay, he's going down the right path. Sometimes we're too uh, impulsive and we end up making big mistakes. Impulsive and compulsive. <laughs> the next thing we know, we are... Uh, we didn't look get the facts, and we're we've either invested in the wrong thing, or we've uh, taken a relationship with somebody that we shouldn't have, or yeah. So slowing down, it's all out there if you want it. People are actually in America. I would say generally, I found people are happy to help you. All you got to do is ask. I'm actually it's a compliment to people for you to say, hey, could you help me with this? I don't understand it, and I think uh, sometimes we just try to be too macho, and I know everything. I wrote in one of my books, when you become a big deal, don't. <laughs> it's okay to say you don't know. It'll keep you out of a lot of trouble and uh, you'll get smarter. Yeah, it's an easy answer. I don't know, but I know someone who does, I think. Right. And uh, it's uh, and mainly men have this problem. You know, it's uh, women are pretty good at going for the help and the resources and asking. And, the age old, I don't need GPS. I know where I'm going. Well, they say that old saying, you know, uh, Go alone if you want to go fast and go slow if you want to go far. And that means getting people around you that help you get that you get there in a better situation. And, uh, and there's a lot of people who have totally isolated themselves. Nobody wants to approach them. You know, they're insecure. The person probably you don't want to approach is insecure. So they're autocratic and don't make you feel like you're welcome to come in and ask and open yourself up. So we got a lot of work to do on ourselves to make ourselves approachable. So people that work with us and around us don't mind coming yeah. and saying, hey, Lee, can you explain that? I don't know what you're talking about. That was always hard for me to say that. But now I've gotten to say, hey, I had a boss that he would often say, Lee, I don't even know what you're talking about. Would you go through that again? Because... Somebody told me if you don't, if you can't uh, explain it, you don't understand it. Yeah. Uh, my favorite one is, is all people do this and it's happened more over the last few years. I'm like, I understand the words that you're using. I just don't know what you mean. Right. <laughs> kind of sounds, and that's what Warren Buffett said. Don't, I mean, he never invests in anything he doesn't understand. Yeah. So he's not in a lot of high taste. He said, I don't know what they're talking about. I didn't put any money in that. So he's into Coca-Cola and Lay's potato chips and he knows seas, it. Seas candy and oil. <laughs> he said, I don't know what all this apps and <laughs> they're out there. They're out there. And you know, some people they get them and you know they they serve a purpose or they can be a, a time waster depending on what that app is. Yeah. If you understand it, God bless you. Go 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 for it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, kind of staying in the the realm of masterminds, they've been around for a long time. Probably the first one was the apostles, you know, if you think about it. Then Benjamin Franklin creates something called the Junto Club or the Leather Apron Club. And then this guy by the name of Napoleon Hill writes a book, which kind of brings it, you know, full circle and explaining what a mastermind is. As there continues to be a large boom in self-education, where do you see the parallels going between self-education versus standardized education? Yeah, I think uh, we need to get more of that uh, informal learning from each other in the classroom instead of the teacher standing up at the front of the room and blah, 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 and the kids falling half asleep and not be because they're not making it exciting enough. They're not telling the stories. And, you know, my grandkids went to a private school because we were able to send them there. And when you study the Civil War, you actually have a part. You're either a reporter or you're a, a Confederate soldier or you're a supply sergeant or 
and you have a role in the show and they come out understanding the whole concept you know that when lincoln was shot it took uh four five six weeks to get to the soldiers in the field they didn't know about it because there was a telegram went here and another guy went there and they delivered the messages and and i think uh mainly students are bored to death and when you're bored my grandson got in trouble all the time in school because it was so boring he'd take his own book and start reading in math because it was he already understood it and was We've got to make it's you know we none of us learn unless it's interesting and we're excited about it you know uh, I think around the world a lot of people are doing a better job than we are by far and uh, I've visited some schools in England and uh, probably in Sweden and uh, of course China I mean they you, you learn <laughs> in India you learn <laughs> and uh, it's uh, the kids are uh, they are prepared for learning. It's an expectation. I don't know if we have enough high expectations from parents here about learning. My mother never talked about school much, and we never discussed it like you're doing with your son. And if you don't get into that uh, learning from how important it is from your family and your parents, you go off to school and you got a teacher that doesn't really like what she's doing. And I went to a school where they passed everybody. I said I wrote four books. I still don't know where the commas go. And, uh, you know, uh, I, you know that whole, uh, what are these uh, semicolons? I've never used one of those in my life. And uh, I, so I hired people to do that for me, but uh, experts. But this is what happened. I, and I passed anyway. I mean, or diagramming a sentence. I'll never figure out what that was about. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and uh, somebody explained semicolons to me the other day. That was pretty cool. I may start using those now. But my wife said, expert in English. So she often looked at my work when I was working for Marriott and Hilton and Disney and said, who wrote this? I said, oh, I did. <laughs> She'd fix it for me so I didn't look like a total fool when I sent it up. And uh, whoever sets the expectations, like you're setting for your son, you're setting high expectations for him to learn and to have fun learning, to learn with you. And if you work in a, live in a family in which nobody talks about that kind of stuff and it's just sit there at dinner and you you don't talk about education. You don't talk about science. You don't talk about what's going on in the world. Those kids, you have no interest. You 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 just you don't read the paper. Nobody watches the news. Nobody uh, discusses what you know. There's kids right now that don't even know we have a new president in the United States. I mean, I guarantee you. I guarantee you. They did a survey. The number of kids in the U.S. that don't even know who the first president of the United States was is um, is shocking. It's shocking. Yeah. And history, I mean, history, like you said, it's going to repeat itself and it lets us know where we were, you know, what we can make better and, you know, what we've learned as time goes on. But we, we have a trouble of remembering history in this country, I think. We were talking about apartheid the other night with my grandson and uh, his girlfriend. And she had never heard of apartheid, never heard about our grandson, of course, knows all about because we took him to South Africa when he was 14. And he went to the the museum and saw it was sad. We asked him what it was like at that museum. He said it was sad, to, you know, and but she'd never heard of it, didn't know anything about it. And it's amazing what people don't know that are big and serious issues in the world. I mean, the people don't understand World War II and what happened. And what, I mean, they don't know. They just don't know. I mean, <laughs> it's. Uh, yeah, no, you're. you're, you're. Absolutely correct. And it really, you know, we, we've left it to the standardized schools to teach our children what they need to know as opposed to sitting there saying at home, like, hey, this is important to understand. 
Yeah. The other day I saw something they were asking a Republican group, a guy, a reporter was saying, do you think the government should manage Medicare? They said, absolutely not. No. And that, of course, the government does manage it already. <laughs> and you're already on it. But it's going like, we didn't know that. Where'd that money come from every month? I mean, it's like. Just magically shows up. And I, including my grandson, I mean, they're so addicted to uh, being online and playing games. And doing, it's our own fault, too, unless you're doing something like you're doing, which is making sure that they're getting that break and learning. And hopefully you have teachers that know you're interested and come up to the school and they're going to pay attention to these kids and make it more interesting. So uh, Yeah, I think being hands-on is a key thing. Really being hands-on and getting outside, getting in the dirt and, uh, you know, understanding what that is and pulling yourself away from... Uh, taking that boy to Washington in a couple of years. And- he's already been to Washington, by the way. It was amazing. It was, and we can't wait to go back. It was amazing. We went about a year and a half ago. And see, those are things that uh, the learning sticks. Yeah. And there's so many free things there. If you can get there, majority of it's free. My wife grew up there. She said after she left Washington and grew up, she was shocked that you had to pay at a lot of museums. She thought they were all free around the world because Smith's, you know, she said, I thought all museums were free because I grew up there. Yeah. No, that's <laughs> the, not the case. Not the case. So, all right. Hey, typically when, when someone invests in their future, they have a better than vague idea of what they're going to get out of it. They have, you know, an expectation. What should people expect when they come to the Cockrell Academy and work with you? Yeah, I mean, these are self-led courses with workbooks and with quizzes. And and I it's all audio and video with me do, talking about it in short segments. And I think uh, what I'm hearing from a lot of people that are writing back to me and said, man, I learned a lot about simple things about uh, how to go for an interview and uh, and uh how to, and we have, we have in the course of how, when you have to terminate somebody, we take them through how to coach somebody on their performance, which is one of those hard decisions people don't like to do because it's hard to sit down and talk to somebody about their performance. And uh, so they learn these little things that they haven't even thought about yet. And they're going to run into them in the workplace and not know how to deal with them. And therefore, they're not going to deal with them. They're going to let them go because they've never thought about it. My granddaughter, as I said, you know, when I wrote the book, The Customer Rules, and we ha- it's in the courses, it says, I said, Margo, what's the most important rule in customer service? She was 12 years old. And I put this in there. I said, you know what she said? She said, Pappy, the most important rule in customer service is be nice. <laughs> I'm going like... And so when you hire people, make sure they understand. They may not be nice, but they better be nice to the guests because they'll get fired. And we say at Disney, you don't have to like your job. You just have to act like you do. <laughs> you know? I mean, we're putting on a show. And these are the concepts that people need to get in their brain. You know, you, it, nobody really cares where you went to college eventually or what you know. They care about who are you? Can I trust you? Do you, uh, uh, do you have respect for people? Do you treat me right? Uh, do you... Uh, are you okay with uh, black people, gay people, Asians? Uh, you know, that's what people want to know. They don't care. I don't care what you can do. I want to know who you are. And uh, don't go around telling me you went to Harvard and you went here and you got your triple $30,000 gold relics on. And I don't care about any of that. I care about who are you, you know, when you think about everybody you know in your life. A timepiece still tells the same time and a person is still the person that they are. I said to people, everything in your life will be a people problem. 
Every problem you have in your life will be people. I told people at Tyson Chicken, I did some work for them, and I told the CEO, I said, listen, it's not about the chickens. <laughs> we know what's going to happen to the chickens. Every problem you're going to have in this business is people giving them the wrong food, cheating you, not being good leaders, people not being committed to their work, attention to detail. It's all going to be people. Forget the chickens. The chickens are going to be fine. <laughs> not really fine, but yeah. <laughs> and even, you know, anything. In an airplane, the problem wasn't the airplane that just failed, you know, the last two years. That, that, wasn't, any, that wasn't a mechanical problem. That was a people problem. That happened because people didn't do what they were supposed to do. That was a, there's somebody I said, when you go to a restaurant, the bathroom's dirty. Don't blame anybody except the owner of the restaurant. That's his problem. Mr. Marriott told me if you have flies in your businesses, in your restaurants, because you like flies, that's your problem. Don't be blaming some other, but somebody else. Yeah. You know, if your kid is rude and doesn't behave properly, that would be you, not him. <laughs> So you own it, baby, yeah. until he's old enough to know the difference. And that's what I had to learn. I didn't. I kept wanting to blame somebody else. But I, I know I own it. It's my fault if I didn't communicate properly or if I didn't tell you how, what I expected or that I didn't read the contract properly. That's not your fault. That's my fault. Yeah. And when you're pointing, there's fingers pointing right back at you. And uh, we like to blame somebody else because we don't want to be at fault. <laughs> yeah, but as soon as you become accountable, you, the, the ripple effect of making sure you don't make that same mistake, is, yeah. it's, really, it's really interesting. And I, I don't know if it's just human nature, but, you know, you had talked about just working. Uh, I, you've gone overseas in war zones. Um, you've worked with different companies and, and you've talked about anxiety and depression. And, you know, I mean, there is a difference, you know, between the two. But kind of dive a little bit deeper on why that was so important for you to build out and 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 who you've become. Yeah, well, I was insecure anyway because of the dysfunctional family I grew up in. Didn't have a college degree, so I was always I kind of seemed like I had something I didn't want people to learn about. You know that I was kind of faking it. And uh, although I did a good job and I worked hard, and I think that got me through. But then. Uh, I never had any serious problems till my wife got sick and almost died, and I ended up with anxiety, and then it led to depression because I was worried about it over and over and over because I have this lingering thing. The psychiatrist told me a, uh, a fear of abandonment because when I was little, my mother took me away from my grandmother, who was my person in my life, and, and she said, when you thought your wife was going to die, that's a form of abandonment. Your brain sent that message down 60 years later and said, this is a problem, and you and I had to get treated for it. And that was a big learning. When I went to Baghdad during the war and to Iraq, I did 13 seminars. And that was one of the main subjects was anxiety, depression, how to deal with it, how to overcome it, uh, how to get treatment. Because most men don't go for help. Women go for help. Men try to get drink more, or get a divorce or lay on the couch or sleep or abuse. Or, and I had to get, learn to talk about it. And tell people, hey, man, I'm going through some tough times. I don't really want to see you. I don't have any interest in talking to you or having coffee with you. And a lot of people, went, trying to hide it, is, it makes it worse. And when you talk about it, people help you. I had people who just would come over and meet with me to talk. So, Because during that period, I didn't have so much anxiety of talking and getting it out. And, and uh, so... I was late in life to learn it. I used to think depressed people, I used to say, what's wrong with those people? Why don't they get their act together? What's their problem with their attitude? I thought it was an attitude problem. 
man, I got slapped upside the head. I, I still take medication because I don't want to go through that ever again. It's the darkest place you can go. I mean, it's horrible. And we see that. And you're going to see a lot more. Suicides now. People are suffering. Hopelessness. Uh, no job. How am I going to pay my son's tuition this semester? I mean, really good people have never had a problem in their life. And they're going, and boy, I, now I have a lot of empathy for that. And, and uh, I said, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Mine wasn't monetary. Mine was feeling like I was going to lose <laughs> the most important thing in my life. <laughs> I mean, I would probably last a week if I my wife died, <laughs> you know, and uh, and it brought us closer together too because she helped me because she noticed that I was being crazy. <laughs> she said, "You got to go for help, boy. You're screwed up." I didn't even care if I saw my grandkids. That's when my granddaughter, my daughter-in-law, said, "There's something wrong with Lee." I mean, I, I cared about nothing, absolutely nothing. So it's uh, real, and, and you can go to Mastermind. You can go get help. There's you can go talk to people. There's medication. A lot of people are cured with medication, getting better. Now they're even saying a lot of these mushrooms out in the world are helping people with depression. They're doing a lot of experiment about these different mushrooms and uh, that there's a, a, a formula they can make to help people with depression. A simple thing, you know. And I think they're, they're going to keep learning what causes the brain to go there. You know, and it's a serotonin issue. It's a chemical imbalance. And it's amazing how that happens. And I don't, people don't realize it's chemical. It's a real-life thing. You can overcome it. You can be treated for it. You can, uh, I first wanted to treat it with red wine, but then I thought maybe the medication was better. <laughs> Because yeah. you go there right away. You go to a dark place because you feel, and we've got to help people know that, oh, that's okay to talk about. Let me know. I'll be glad to help you. And a lot, everybody's got somebody working with them or for them or, or somebody in your life that's going through this now. And maybe you know about it, maybe you don't. And uh, you got to really pay attention. Kids, grade school kids, college kids, uh, high school kids, huge problems, uh, bullying. And kids drives keep kids into uh, getting into trouble mentally and then doing something. Um, so you got to really pay attention to what's going on. I said, uh, and it's, you know, and we all know how to put on a good face. It's easy for me to put on a good face where you can't see it. Yeah. And we need to, we got to, if you know your son really well, you'll, you'll know it. But, or if you know an employee really well, you'll sense it, but it's hard because people really cover up well in the, uh, in America, anyway, we all say everything's great every day, and then next thing, somebody kills themselves. It's okay to, you know, if you're going through it, a lot of people are, but it's okay to ask for help. And at the same time, pay attention to the people that are around you. The sign you can see things, and it's not your fault if you don't see those signs from what Lee is talking about. But pay attention to their mannerisms. Just you know, if something seems off, all you got to do is ask them. Hey, you doing okay? You know, if you're if you're in a mastermind, you're going to get that a lot. If you if you have a coach, you're going to get that a lot. But if you if you don't have those things, look for those things. And if someone says, "Yeah, man, I'm doing great. Thanks for asking," then hey, you asked. That's what a lady said to me. She said, "Lee, how you doing?" And I said, "Great." She said, "No, I mean really." And it's true. We've got to help people feel safe to tell us how they're really doing and then be, uh, be there to help them. Teenagers not going to tell you how they're really feeling. You've got to have to dig into it. You're going to have to pay attention. You're going to have to watch their mannerisms and their diet and how they're eating and how they're sleeping because there's certain ages where it's even tougher. I mean, you know, kids hide from a lot of this stuff. And I mean, I run into people who say, I didn't know my daughter was on drugs. And I said, really? I said, you got to 
pay more attention because you could tell if she's on drugs if you wanted to. Or I didn't know my son was building a bomb in his room or had a gun in his room. Well, I said, if you got a teenager, you go in their room every 20 minutes because God knows what they're doing because I did it. That kind of, you know. Yeah. They, they don't care about, you know. You got to be curious in life. You should be, you know, children, we, our curiosity goes. Don't trust anybody. <laughs> you know, you got to dig deeper because it's there. And your mom and dad and your grandparents that go get, you know, old age, it gets into, so we can all do so much. And taking courses and going to mastermind, that, that stuff, and having a group of 10 or 12 people that talk about this together. And when you start talking about it, everybody around the table will eventually, yeah, we got that too. Or my dad's going through that. Or yeah, I didn't have anybody to talk to. The highest performing people in the world have coaches. They have insecurities. So it's it's just because they're sitting on what we see as a mountaintop doesn't mean that mentally they're on that mountaintop themselves. No. So, you know, <laughs> it's it's absolutely okay to ask for help, you know, kind of staying in that area, just with people and stuff, people that have gone through your courses that have worked with you, I feel they have a way of surprising us from time to time. Give us a success story of something that happened because someone went through the Cockrell Academy or they worked with you one-on-one and what was the outcome because they worked with you? Oh yeah. You know, I've worked with a lot of executives, a lot of managers where uh, they were having problems in their business and I would spend a day with them, just them and me, we'd get a hotel suite and go there and just tell me about your problem. Tell me what's going on. Like, tell me who you are. Tell me about your family. And uh, next thing you know, I'm working with a guy and he says, well, I'm having problems with this person in my business. And she's been there eight years. And, and at the end, I would say something like, do you have personally have problems with confrontation? Do you have problems telling people the truth? Yeah, I really do. And I said, okay, let's go down this path. You're the head of this company. It's your responsibility you're not living up to your responsibility. You're being irresponsible. And that person doesn't even know they're not doing their job because you haven't told them. And uh, I said, let's do this. From now on, when you have somebody that's not performing and you don't have the courage or you're not responsible enough to tell them, you call me in for $2,500, I'll fire them for you. And I shamed this person into today, man, he he pushed through it because he didn't realize, hey, if I don't, I'm hurting somebody. It's like your mother not get correcting you when you're growing up, you know? It, and I think people, they want to be nice. You know, I met, talked to a guy yesterday. He's, he's a, uh, uh, does leadership training on. He specializes in working with le- top leaders and executives that have a problem wanting to be liked. They have a problem. They want to be liked. So they don't deal with a lot of hard issues. And they end up keeping people for 20 years that never did their job and get taken advantage of. I thought that was interesting because I had that problem in my career. I wanted to be liked because I was insecure. I wanted people to like me. And uh, over the time I changed, maybe the last 20 years of my career, I saw the difference. People really trust me now because they know Leo's when you're doing a great job, he's going to tell you. And when you're not, he's going to tell you and he wants to help you. But that that's an interesting concept. Why aren't you dealing with this? Because I want to be liked. It's, it's, it's an interesting. I'm going to have, you know, I'm going to definitely have to dive deeper in that because that is very true. You want to be liked. You don't want the confrontation, but in turn, you're not doing yourself, your company, or that team member justice. Your kids. <laughs> I want to be friends with my son. I said, no, I want to kick your butt. My mother was a terrorist before they had him. And that's why she kicked us into shape because uh, 
Yeah. And that's a big problem today with parents wanting to be friends with their kids, not wanting to be the adult and be the person. Your job is to train them and develop them and get them ready to be ethical, honest, good citizens. That's your job. Your job is to get them out of the house by the time they're 20, not live in the basement. And that's your job. We're 18, 19. You know, that doesn't hurt either. You got to raise them so they want to leave. <laughs> Cut the umbilical cord, people. Yeah, I mean, it's true. You know, it's hard to be a leader. It's hard to be a parent. I say if you can't make hard decisions and you can't uh, have hard conversations, don't have children. Yeah. <laughs> now, while I'm kind of talking about leadership um, on the solo shows, we talk a lot about success and what it takes to be successful. And just, you know, a few of the things we discuss are uh, mentorship, coaching, experimentation, partnerships, willingness to fail. And then on the flip side, willingness to define success, because when you define success, you in essence have defined failure. And that's why so many people just don't do it. What do you think is a key attribute to being successful? I think the most important thing is probably building a a culture around you of trust. When people trust you, they will learn more. When people trust you, they'll, uh, they'll allow you not to know everything. They'll allow the respect for you. I think that's the one thing, having mutual respect for other people. Um, and to me, if you don't do that, uh, there's no, hardly anywhere to go. I have to know you're, I always said, you know, you won't be committed to me or I won't be committed to you unless I'm, sh- you're, I'm sure you're committed to me. And that's how it is, you know. If, and uh, then the other stuff's easy, you know, learning how to do something is, but building trust. And that, somebody said, well, it takes a long time to get it and lose it in seconds. And somebody said, how do you build trust? You got to, I said, you got to be trustworthy. You've got to really be careful, not, you know, break your word, not do, make sure you, you're always building it. And, and we see it every day today across the nation, people not having the courage to be, I, I tell them, I said the other day, recently today, I posted, you know, if you can't be a leader, don't have children and uh, uh, resign from Congress if you're afraid to make a hard decision. People say, well, I'm afraid they'll hurt my children if I vote for this or that. I said, well, then resign, you know, quit, leave. Yeah. Don't be there because it's even worse. You know, you don't make a hard decision. And then in three weeks, that person you didn't deal with right uh, kills themselves because you didn't do the right thing. Let me tell you, leadership is, uh, it uh, comes back to bite you and bite you hard if you're irresponsible. Yeah. And leadership is a, a heavy heavy thing to to hold on to and easy to lose if you aren't a good person. I mean, like what I'm hearing right there is be honest and be good. You and your wife have the most important leadership job in the world. You fail in that one. Life's not looking so good if we fail in that one. You can't fire your children. You have to develop them. (laughs) Prepare them. But really think about that. That's the most important job, the leadership job. That's a leadership job. And you've got to think about it every day. Are you... And that your son will get better faster. The better you are, the better he'll be. You know what he asked me last night when we were cleaning up dishes and it was a we cleaning up dishes? Daddy, what are your goals for tomorrow? <laughs> God bless him. Well, there you go. That was, that was his question for me. And, and, and my wife stepped in and said, oh, Daddy's got to look at his calendar to see what he's got going on tomorrow. Give him a few minutes. My goal is to clean out the garage, take the trash out, get the paper, uh, do my laundry. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I had a few other ones. You. That's, you're on the right track, and we got to get uh, people in the workplace on the right track. Yeah, absolutely. Got a few more questions as we're rounding out here. I feel that, 
you know, during times of prosperity, when the world's winning, it's easy to be successful or it's easier to be successful. But I think ingenuity and creativity come out of when we feel the squeeze and the world's still feeling the squeeze. What are you working on right now that's going to take place over the next 12 months that excites you? Yeah, well, I've only been in this Cockrell Academy since March, last March, getting it ready now. I'm really into marketing it, making sure people know about it. And uh, we're developing text professor's guides for tech my books, which are used in universities and colleges to get more exposure for uh, people because a lot of colleges like using them. But you know, to reach people is the hardest part. Marketing is the hardest part of life. You can have the best product in the world. Nobody knows about it. And it's really hard because there's a lot of noise out there. There's a million people every day on the internet trying to sell something. And so I'm trying to think about how to do that better and shorts, little short pieces. Uh, I'm going to send a proposal to somebody. It's going to be probably three minutes on a little video of me talking to them, not a 16 page. I've got to learn how do you reach people and keep hold their attention? So I want to do that. And I just want to be a better teacher. I've now learned that teaching is far more powerful than anything. I want to, if I know something, I tell people, if you know something, teach it, learn it, do it, teach it, learn it, do it, teach it. And uh, people will have a lot of respect and regard for you because uh, teachers are held in high esteem. Yeah, absolutely. Firemen and teachers are the profession and nurses. Those are the people that serve. And uh, we all got went astray back in the 80s and 90s, wanted to kick people's butt, you know, when <laughs> there's no upside to abusing somebody. Try it on your wife and see how that works out. <laughs> yeah. No, not going no to work out there. No upside. <laughs> yeah, no, not whatsoever. Be a good human. Just be good to people and help teach, train, learn. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Last one for you. What's a yeah. tip, a tactic, an actual item that if someone implemented it, right now over the next 30, 60, 90 days, they would see a real impact on their personal or business life. Yeah, I think the major one is how they use their time. I think most people, I have a time management course on that Cockrell Academy and it's really powerful. I took a, a course like that of 1980 and then I developed my own and it, it is the major region I had success. I, I'm really organized. I think every day about what I should be doing on purpose this week. You know, not by accident that it doesn't come Christmas again and I didn't do three things I intended to do. I uh, schedule the priorities in my life and my calendar. I schedule my doctor's appointments so I don't go in there and he said, you haven't been here in five years. We could have caught that. And, uh, you know, the power of doing what you're supposed to be doing when you're supposed to be doing it and thinking about it. And I would say most people get no training in high school or college on how to handle everything coming at them today. And, uh, how do you keep your marriage in the soccer game and your mother-in-law's coming in, your boss wants this done, you need three podcasts done and you need that. You've got to be organized. You you cannot go through life just winging it anymore. Those days are over. And you know, the problem is everybody wants things now. And you've got to learn to say no. You've got to learn to just focus on the three or four things that are most important to you. Like at Disney, I focused on hiring, training, and culture. That's it. Not any of the technical stuff. Today, my wife gave me three new ones. She said, your three new ones since you're retired, Lee, are take care of yourself so you can take care of us. Number two, then take care of your family. Number three, take care of your business. And if you have any time left over, you can help Kim Kardashian with her problems. But stay out of all the nonsense that's out there. You know, you can play golf if you've taken care of yourself, me, and uh, your business. But don't be going playing golf when your business is falling apart. The family's not happy. You're sick. You're not going to the No. Get those three that you get in every day. And then do the crazy things like uh, play Candy Crush for three days. You know, but... (laughs) 
this is what people waste time. You spend money, you spend time, and most people waste it. Waste it. You think about all the things you do every day. By not having a son who does what you tell him to do, that wastes you a lot of time. You know, by not using the internet, wastes a lot of time. By whatever it is, you know, I said, go to the doctor before you get sick so you don't get sick. Yeah, I mean, you want to be preemptive. This whole concept about time is probably the most important thing you can, because if you do things right with your time, you won't have regrets when you get older, that you spend enough time with your son. You told your wife you loved her. You spent time with your business. You you did the right things. And you learned to say no to all the things that didn't matter that much. Because so what? No, people are not going to be happy with you. Well, that's their problem. You've got to do the things that matter. And you can't do everything. Yeah. And that's okay that you can do everything, but know your unbreakables. Know what's important. Know your unbreakables. Because then you never have to question the decision. You don't know whether you're going to go left or right. Does this go against my unbreakables. And if it does, then you don't have to make a decision. It's already been made for you. Exercise ought to be something you do on purpose one or two or three times a week. And and whether you like it or not, because it'll pay off later yeah. when you're older. And yeah. I said, you know, I'm going to be 77 on my next birthday and I'm the fittest. I can still run a nine minute mile. I, I do strength because I don't want to fall and break a hip and end up in rehab center for six weeks or eight weeks. So you got to do things now that pay off later. Learn teaching your son to read and to be feel safe. That pays off later when you don't have to go get him out of rehab. You don't have to get a lawyer. You don't have to go take lunch to him in prison. <laughs> you know, you pay now or you pay later. And that's yeah. how I think about things. Take care of it now and relationships are everything and your family. It's more expensive to pay for it later. If yeah. you pay for it now, it will be so much less expensive. Later. Yeah, you're going to be proud of your son and he's going to graduate and do great things and make you proud. And people are going to say good things about you and about him instead of like, where's your son? Oh, he's in uh, rehab right now. <laughs> We've sent him off for drug. <laughs> I mean, he ain't going like it. But if you'd have spent time with him, making sure you knew he was loved and you were on top of things <laughs> and got him a tutor when he was got, had troubles, oh, he would have come out fine. Yeah, the song, The Cat's in the Cradle and the Silver Spoon, When You're Coming Home, Dad, I Don't Know When, but we'll get together then. You know uh, where you're spending your time. That's what yeah. I would tell everybody to learn. Rethink it. No, no, absolutely. That's a great way to end it right there. Know where you're spending your time and uh, know your unbreakables. We've got the founder of Cockrell Academy, Lee Cockrell. Lee, thank you so much for your time today and just the, the knowledge that you brought to us. Thank you. You're welcome. It's fun. I love this subject. We all should talk about it more. Yeah. yeah. Be open, be honest, and be there. Thanks, Lee. Okay. Take care. Good to see you. Thank you for listening to The Mastermind Effect, your secret weapon for personal development. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to share with a friend and leave a five-star review on iTunes. And don't forget to subscribe through your favorite podcast host so you won't miss a single episode. You're one step closer to experiencing The Mastermind Effect.